Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, reopenings and expansions continue in travel. Southwest announces two new Pacific Northwest cities. Talk Tours resumes operations in the U.S. July 1st. Details next. It's possible California will have a big fire season this year. And at 3.20, in our Smarter Traveler segment, Mark talks with an old tour operator friend from South Dakota who recently experienced a spur-of-the-moment fire evacuation. Perhaps her experience will help you plan for a fire emergency. Plus, my friend Chevy does an incredible Lewis and Clark tour each year. She's a tremendous historian, and she'll tell us a little bit about the journey. The cruise lines are battling to get their passengers on board. The government is saying not so fast. At 3.35, we're joined by our cruise expert, Gwen Duncan. Her and Mark go head-to-head and give you the pros and cons of when cruising can be safely restarted. Tuesday will be April 20th. 420, if you will. 50 years ago, a pop duo named Brewer and Shipley wrote a fun tune called One Toke Over the Line. It was a reference to smoking a little too much funny tobacco. The song was way before its time. Tom sat down with one of the duo last week, and I have to tell you, it's a great interview. It even features a Lawrence Welk story, of all things. And I think you're going to enjoy revisiting One Toke Over the Line 50 years later. We really have a fun, creative program for you today. Thank you for joining us. We are the Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. I've got two tickets to paradise. Up to Alaska. I go north to Russia's own. my friends to another edition of the travel and entertainment guys mark hoffman and tom romano with you brought to you by sports leisure vacations good to see you thanks for joining us uh, we got a fun show happening yeah, today yeah we do i uh, our entire audience is lined up outside my office window right now excuse me while i just turn around here and wave to everyone you're not talking um, about the turkeys again are you <laughs> no the turkey the squirrels i have squirrels here that you got outside squirrels. my office we have a a long relationship, the squirrels and I. <laughs> well, what's new there? Speaking of uh, sports leisure vacations, your office and all that all that happens travel? Well, we had a couple uh, tours go out last week down to the Central Coast and up to see the tulips in um, Seattle without incident. A special thank you to the folks at Ala- the ticket counter at Alaska Airlines. We had a group that went out Thursday morning, and there was a problem on the freeway and our Pickup cars got there kind of close to departure, and they all arrived at once, and the folks were busy, and they just did an incredibly terrific job. So maybe that one of them will be listening or somebody who knows somebody who works at Alaska. But on Thursday morning, they just did a great job for us. Tom, I wanted to um, to mention one of the articles that came across my desk here was uh, suggesting discover where you live instead of taking a long trip. Uh, some folks who are part of our audience may have heard the commercial, seeing the commercials that California is running, kind of suggesting that 
if you take a vacation and you stay within California, you're kind of doing, you're not only having fun, but you're helping to restart our economy too. Yeah, so yeah. I, I saw that. I was, I was so pleased to see it, uh, that it was well done and it, it makes a really solid point. Well, we have mountains and beaches and just about, you know, m- miserable hot places and everything you could imagine here, national parks and, and also, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a valid suggestion for folks who are thinking, you know, you've stayed fairly close to home during oh, yeah. all of this. Yeah, you know, here again, uh, people travel hundreds, thousands of miles to come to California to enjoy what we have here. I think it's <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, uh, play in your own backyard. Uh, there's so much. Uh, I'm looking forward to a trip over to uh, the Monterey Coast. The aquarium is back open. Uh, there's just so much to see and do here before you have to leave town. Yeah, and, and sometimes you get so involved with going to faraway places that you forget that. You know, we live in one of the great People from all over the world aspire to come to California for a vacation, and we live here. There are people in California who have never been to Yosemite National Park. There are a lot of people in Southern California who have never been to Catalina Island, which is 20 miles off the coast. They just have never gotten on the ferry boat and gone over there. So I think that's the the state's suggestion at this point. The travel folks, uh, uh, Carolyn Batetta and and her staff at uh, at Travel California, there working on things that will help us create activity in the California economy. So good for them. Thank you for that. Uh, We best get to the travel news here. We have one heck of a busy program. Let's do it. At the top of every Travel Guys radio show, we bring you up to date on the travel news. And with the latest, here's Mark. Well, uh, travel reopening, as we mentioned in the headlines, a big cultural arts uh, event in Southern California, annual event, has announced that they are going forward this summer, the Festival of the Arts and the Pageant of the Masters in Laguna Beach, a really unique event. I won't go into it here, but if you've never attended, it's something that you might want to consider. We take two or three groups every year. It's in July and August. It's outdoors at Laguna, uh, in a beautiful amphitheater at Laguna Beach, and they expect their season to start on time in mid-July. Uh, Talk Tours is, according to the headline, fully restarting U.S. tours on July the 1st. They have run some other departures sporadically in the last couple of months, and they are going to restart all of their U.S. tours on July the 1st. Speaking of expanding and starting up things, Southwest Airlines has added two cities in the Pacific Northwest. Bellingham, Washington, which is north of Seattle, is where the... uh, the Alaska ferry boat leaves from, coincidentally, and it's the closest city to the Canadian border. So if you were going up to Vancouver or something, might be a good alternative. Also service to Eugene, Oregon. Neither one of those cities, unfortunately, will be served directly from Sacramento, but uh, you can take a quick hop over to Las Vegas and get to either one of them that way. So Southwest Airlines starting some new service with some great fares to Eugene, Oregon, and Bellingham, Washington. Rocky Mountaineer uh, train. If you're a train fan, and the Rocky Mountaineer runs in Canada, and uh, I'm sure some of the folks listening to us have taken that train ride, they have announced that they are delaying the start of their Canadian travel season. Of course, the border has been closed for a year, and uh, they are hopeful of getting started later in the summer uh, than they normally do. So instead of starting in early June, they have postponed their travel season until July 5th, still no word yet on when the Canadian border 
might reopen. And here is a really interesting story. We're going to have Gwen Duncan on with us after the news at the bottom of the hour, and her and I are going to mix it up a little bit, talk about cruising. Headline says the battle to resume cruising in the U.S. uh, heats up. And if you read into the story a little bit, you will see uh, a line that says U.S. Representative Doris Matsui of California and Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut wrote a letter to the CDC director urging her to strictly enforce the guidelines under the conditional sailing order and immediately halt cruises if outbreaks occur on board. So it appears as though I've uh, sent a, a message to uh, Congresswoman Matsui's office uh, for comment. They haven't replied yet, but we'll try and track them down next week. So it looks like Doris is messing in. They're getting in with the cruise lines there again and making sure that they don't bend the rules too much. I can't think of anybody better than Doris Matsui to fight that battle. Uh, so amen. we'll try to get uh, to Doris and, and hear a little bit more from her. But anyway, uh, their point is that, Fine, if we're going to restarting, restart, we're going to do things the way that you said we needed to do. So Gwen will be along uh, at the bottom of the hour and talk to us a little bit more about that. I just, it's hard for me to foresee how cruising can be, can be safe. I've been in the tight corridors of those ships and stuff. I think what they're going to have to do, Tom, is say, if you're vaccinated, you can cruise. And I, yeah. and that would solve the problem. That and, and and you know testing, you might even have to get tested twice. And then and there's all the people that work on the cruise ships and uh, all yeah. the pieces that go with it. But it'll be an interesting conversation with Gwen at the uh, right after the news at the bottom of the hour because you know that's her business. Going to be see what the people that want to cruise are saying and exactly. what her and the experts are are promising of those that want to travel. And that, sir is your travel news for today. All right. Coming up after a couple of minutes of timeout, we're going to be joined by uh, Chevy Lee, a good old uh, tour buddy of Mark's for some time. We're going to talk about Lewis and Clark, which is one of her specialty tours, and some tips on how to safely evacuate when a fire starts in your neighborhood that's unexpected. That's all coming up next here on The Travel Guys. Hey there, it's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, the travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Don't forget now, links and websites and all of that stuff and other great information to make you a smarter traveler can be found at TravelGuysRadio.com. Tom, today we have a special guest who is a friend from the travel industry who recently had an experience that I think probably some of the people in our listening audience can identify with, and heaven forbid that anybody else would have this experience along the way, but summer is coming. There hasn't been a lot of rain. Chevy Lee is the owner of Chevy Lee Tours. She's in South Dakota. Chevy, how long have you been a tour operator? Oh, I quit counting. It's over 40 years now. <laughs> 40 years. Do you remember what enticed you to get into the tour business? Well, it was a history. Uh, I, and I actually answered an ad in the paper. One of the local step-on services was uh, uh, actually they, they weren't a step-on service yet. They were introducing it to their company. It was a bus company. And I just thought, well, this, this sounds interesting. I need the money. And I ended up writing the, the damned vet, uh, manual for that company. <laughs> And it was mostly history because that's what we have to sell here. I should mention here before we get too far down the road, 
Chevy's an active tour operator. She has she has wonderful history tours, and she has a Lewis and Clark adventure. You have one this year, right? Coming up in a couple of months. Yeah, we're gonna. We didn't run it last year. We didn't run anything last year, um, and we do have people from who signed up last year. And they're coming back to us, so we've got our hopes high that we can get it done this year. Good. We'll put a link on um, the Travel Guys radio site just in case uh, you have an interest. If you're a Lewis and Clark historian, let me just tell you something that um, you could do no better than to go on a trip with Chevy uh, through the Lewis and Clark Trail. Uh, she's been doing it for a long time, and when we did it to celebrate uh, what was the, the, the 200th anniversary of it, a number of years mm-hmm. back, it was Chevy that I leaned on for a lot of answers. Okay, enough of enough of this travel stuff, since this is a travel program. Let's get down to the real subject here. Uh, Chevy, you guys have had an early wildfire season in South Dakota, right? Oh, I'll say. We had a lot of snow over the winter, but there wasn't much rain content in it. And that did catch us by surprise. We thought we were kind of safe. It started snowing in October, so we should be all right. And and this thing grew so fast, uh, we did find out afterwards that it was man-made, um, and that's one of the houses that we lost. We only lost two, but the, where the fire started was one of them. Um, and we we were really caught off guard uh, to the point where my uh, my daughter and I live in the same neighborhood, and uh, we she called me up and said, "Start packing." And uh, she could see how close the fire was, how huge, huge amounts of smoke. And so we planned, uh, she told me what to bring. And like 15 minutes later, she called back and she said, you don't have time to pack this stuff. We'll we'll buy food. We'll buy kitty litter, whatever we have to do. Mm -hmm. There's going to be road congestion because the place where I live is a valley on the very, very western edge of the town where the fire started. Chevy, let me ask you, was there any warning to this? Was the fire going for a couple of days and it changed directions, or was this something that just came about all at once? It it came about all at once, but the weather was definitely part of it because we had, this was the second day of very, very high winds, over 75 miles an hour. And I can remember waking up uh, being worried about, I just worry about wind. It just kind of scares me. I wasn't even thinking of fire at that time. And then it was just the, the perfect storm. Um, also, the, ro- the main road out of town, which is my access uh, to, to getting into town, I, I rarely go up the hill from there because I'm already on the edge of town. There was terrific road congestion, which I couldn't see, but she could from her house. And that's why she, she didn't panic, but she called me and said, get everything that you can grab into the car and uh, because you're probably going to have to wait in line what, and it turns out that I was able to drive right out of where I live. It's in a valley. There's only one way in and one way out. Chevy, this is Tom. I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. uh, since you've lived in that particular area for a long time, and I'm sure that there has uh, been fire threats uh, in the past, uh, had you already had some stuff packed away? Did you have an emergency plan? How prepared were you besides getting the call and just having to go? Uh, not at all well prepared. I had thought of it before. There's been many, many summers when I go on the Lewis and Clark Trail, for example. It's mm-hmm. a 16-day tour. And I always have my, my kids who live here in town uh, watching my house. Somebody has to feed the cats and all that stuff. And so I had <laughs> thought about that. And 
and all those really dry years, I ha- I pack up all of my kids' uh, baby pictures, all the photo albums, mm-hmm. and I just put them in a crate, and 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 that's what they are to take, if anything. Get get the cats, get those photo albums. So that was the only thing I really knew that I would take. I see. Uh, and I wasn't even getting to the, the – I, I knew you'd have to take prescriptions. You know, I had yeah. looked into some of this stuff. But as as time went on, after I had left, I started thinking of things that I really should have taken. Now that you've been through this, and you admittedly were not prepared, and uh, since I know you, I, I, I know that you probably will be – probably taken some steps to be a little bit more prepared – what would you tell folks who are listening who haven't considered the possibility of, you know, an emergency basket or something like that that they could go quickly with? What From this experience and what you didn't take with you, um, what did you learn? Well, I, for one thing, when I found out I was going to be interviewed for this, I, I went online and asked and Googled it. And, and there were some things that I had thought of, which I, I thought was I was kind of proud of myself, but there was a much longer list. Uh, some of the funny things was uh, I knew I would be ha- not have anything to do, and I, I don't watch daytime TV. So I had a book with me. It happened to be 800 pages. It didn't last long enough. Should have had more books. I ended up going to the library in the middle of it. Um, I got the kids' photo albums, but I didn't take a toothbrush or even a comb. So they, it, it was scattered. So I, I did run off some of these things from that I thought are pretty good. One of the th- first thing, which is most important, is don't wait to be ordered to leave. They never did evacuate my neighborhood. There were about 400 of us who got out anyway. But, uh, I mean, when I, the day after I returned, I went out on my deck and I could see where the fire ended. And it was a half a mile from my house. Well, If I could've... had stayed, I would have seen that. If you're just joining us, our guest is Shebby Lee. Shebby is a tour director in the Dakotas there. One of her specialties is the Lewis and Clark tour. Right now we've been talking about uh, escaping the fires in her neighborhood. And we've had experience here in California, the little town of Paradise, which went up, um, I don't know how quickly, but if I said an hour, I think that would probably be, um, and, and literally the landscape is littered with stories of people who, got in their cars and drove for their lives um, right. out of town. Knowing how prepared you are as a tour operator, I couldn't help but think that, boy, if this happens to Chevy again, she's going to be ready next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that the, my worst uh, problem was the documents. Now, um, I had my driver's license. It was already with me because it's in my purse. But I did not grab my passport which is I keep in a place in my carry-on for airplane trips. Most of my tours begin and end with, with flights. Yep. And I, it seemed sensible to keep it with that. So, therefore, I didn't even think of it until I got over to my daughter's house. Uh, wow. Health insurance cards, any legal documents, Social Security card, vehicle registration. Those were in the car, so I, that was okay. But uh, marriage and divorce papers. I know where they are. I didn't pack them. I didn't even think of it. A lot of the things that, that Chevy has just listed off could easily be stored in the same place. The moral to this story is here's a lady who prides herself on being well-prepared <laughs> for a living. I've known her for a long time, and if there's anything she is, she's prepared. 
And so here came a situation that even someone who anticipates and prepares for eventualities and stuff like that couldn't anticipate, and it caught you off guard, and you weren't able to get everything out. And I'm just kind of hoping that with all of the people around Sacramento and the fact that we may have another horrendous fire season here again, and this station reaches all over Northern California, that there might be one person out there who, who gets done with this radio program and goes into the closet and says, all right, you know what, let's get some of those things and let's put them all in the same place so we can grab and go. Chevy, I appreciate your wisdom on that. Before I let you go, though, I want you to give me just a quick commercial on your on your Lewis and Clark trip. Give me a couple of, of quick reasons why someone from California who has an interest in history should consider taking the Lewis and Clark trip with you this summer or sometime in the future. We have a wonderful time. It's, some tours, not all tours, but some tours, uh, we gather together a, a bunch of disparate people. They come from different locations. Um, so maybe some of them knew the, each other before. But with something like Lewis and Clark, which is a theme, we start off on the very first day having something to talk about. We, have a, we send out a reading list with the Lewis and Clark Trail, and there's like six books on it. I myself have read over 40, 50 of them by now. But I just love seeing at the welcome dinner when we arrive, at, and when it, it takes place at Lewis and Clark Historic Trail Site Number 1, which is on the Illinois side of the Missouri River. These people are talking to each other already. They already have a common interest and start off as friends. And then after 16 days on the road, learning things together, uh, playing Lewis and Clark trivia, all the things that we do, and interacting with reenactors all along the way. Probably talk a little bit about the most amazing historic female figure in American history, I think. Um, any lady who, who hauled an infant across the country. Yeah, anybody who hauled an infant across the country and put up with what had to be a disgusting group of men um, probably deserves <laughs> way more recognition than we could give her. If you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, uh, we will bring this soliloquy to an end here by just saying um, I'll leave a link to uh, Chevy's website. And if you are a Lewis and Clark fan, go and take a look. It might not be your thing this year, but she does it on a regular basis, and maybe you can join her in the future. Chevy, thanks for sharing a little bit about your experience of having to leave town in a hurry with us. Hopefully it will benefit <laughs> someone else. And uh, I hope that you get all your stuff that you need packed and that you never need to move it. That's my wish to you. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Thank you so much for having me. All right, coming up after the news here on the Travel Guys, travel expert Gwen Duncan from Cordially Yours Travel joins us. And Mark Hoffman and Gwen are going to go toe-to-toe. Is it safe to cruise? Are the cruise lines being responsible? Will they cruise? Will they go out of business? All of that discussion coming up next here on the Travel Guys. Welcome, everyone. It is Mark Hoffman, Tom Romano, the travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And joining us, travel experts, cordially yours travels, Gwen Duncan. It's time for points, counterpoints. Mark, uh, why don't you uh, set it up and let the battle begin? All right, all right. Well, we mentioned in the news that a uh, local congresswoman, Doris Matsui, and a senator from Connecticut, um, have have encouraged the CDC to strictly enforce the guidelines under the conditional sailing order, 
um, so that if cruise lines start up and there's a problem, why they'll say, you know, they, they, they want it to be dealt with. So that's okay, I guess, because if there was a problem, everybody would want it to be dealt with. Uh, what we're really here to talk about, Gwen, is whether or not it's safe to cruise or it's going to be safe to cruise in the next couple of months. I come from the side of, man, I've been on those big cruise ships with the narrow passageways and people waiting to go into the dining room at dinner and in the showroom and all over the place in groups. And I can't even imagine how that could possibly be safe. Please educate me. Okay. Let's compare it to the uh, CDC guidelines and the um, general political stand on uh, airports, on airplanes. Um, Those are seats are right next to each other. Uh, Right now, the uh, airlines are fighting because of their safety protocols to include the middle seat, which CDC is refusing to do. Now, you look at the cruise lines, and they're offering um, wearing masks whenever you're not in a, um, uh, when you are in a public place. Otherwise, in your cabin, uh, they're doing social distancing, even though that that method has changed from six six feet to three feet. Instant, well, it's mixed messages. Um, I right. believe that the uh, cruise lines are doing a big job uh, to be able to make it safe to, to do reducing uh, capacity, uh, they're changing. Uh, they're, they're staging reduced crowds for uh, embarkation and disembarkation. They're reworking their buffets so that you can be served instead of having to get self-served. They're offering touchless op- options so that you uh, can get through a cruise ship without having to touch so much. Uh, sanitizing luggage before they bring it on board. And they're studying. They're having uh, stringent hygiene standards, such as frequent sanitation at touch points and stuff. And they're enhancing their ventilation systems. And each uh, passenger, when they leave the ship, is expected to stay in touch with the um, uh, other cruise uh, uh, vendors and um, uh, not not to stray, or they'll be denied boarding. So I don't know what else the cruise lines could do. Uh, the fact is they haven't started cruising yet because they're not allowed to from the U.S. ports. And so we can't even do test cruises because of the CDC being so stringent compared to airline and rail. Now, see, now in the, in the fall, let, let's, there were a couple cruise lines who took a shot at, one in the Mediterranean and one somewhere else I'm forgetting, uh, you probably know more about this than I did, who took a shot at starting up and then had some problems and had to kind of curtail things. You f- feel like, Gwen, you, you, we were talking before we started our interview here, and, and something I guess that I hadn't really considered is that the cruise industry is basically, to some extent, on the verge of the point of no return here. That's right, and they are doing everything. They've been bending over backwards. They haven't sailed from a U.S. port for almost a year. They've been two years now, just counting this summer, uh, eliminating Alaska, which has affected Alaska as well. But um, if they don't continue uh, to cruise, then their their whole industry is going to go to pot. And I believe the way the CDC is doing it, they're picking winners and losers. The airplanes and the rails can make it, but the uh, cruise lines, they don't give a rat's ass. <laughs> Uh, let me, l- l- Gwen. Let me let me just ask you if the um, if the cruise lines, uh, some of them have started saying, well, you know, if you don't let us sail from here, why we're going to go to other places. Now these are already cruise ships who are flagged in foreign ports 
in order to avoid regulation and some of the other things. Carnival Cruise Lines yeah. has been dumping crap in the water um, for the last several years and has been caught more than once and has promised to clean up their act. But so far, we, we don't have signs that they've completely done that. My point to you is that cruise lines do not represent the best citizens. And how can we take their word for the fact that they're going to do this and keep us safe? Well, we can't we can't block all of the cruise lines into making those kind of violations. Occasional ships will do it. They do get their violations and penalties. Now, when you're talking about Carnival Corporation, that consists of nine different cruise lines. Uh, Car- uh, Royal Caribbean, it's uh, four different cruise lines. And with an uh, NCL, it's three different cruise lines that are under those corporate umbrellas. So I hate to see the entire industry cast with a bad thing because of one or two ships that have uh, uh, done terrible things, gotten violated, and had to pay a, um, a um, penalty for doing so. God, Tom, she's pretty tough. I know. Gwen, uh, let me jump in for just a second. What are cruise lines expecting regarding COVID testing? And that would be for both the, the staff as well as for the passengers. Uh, where are they uh, in regards to testing and vaccinating? All of them. All of them now, the major ones, are uh, requiring that their staff, their port workers, and client passengers are all vaccinated before they can get onto their ships. Now, that's another step that uh, what more can they do to satisfy the CDC? Now, do you uh, think, they also, well, let me, let me, Gwen, let me, can I just jump in here? You're, you're talking sure. about the crews and the, and everybody and the, 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 the shore workers and stuff. Good extension, good, good thought process there. We, we the people who are handling things and stuff. But, um, what do, do we ask, do we ask the passengers to be vaccinated? Is that the ultimate yes. solution here? Or do you, and then, of course, what do we do with people who medically can't take the vaccination? Well, that's my question. Um, Right now, um, only about 13% of the U.S. population is fully vaccinated. There's a number, a large percentage of people who cannot be vaccinated. So what happens with them in being able to board a cruise ship if they should choose to go on one? Right now, they can't. Uh, the, the cruise lines are all requiring that you be vaccinated uh, at least 72 hours before, preferably uh, two weeks before you board one of their um, departures. Um, And if the CDC had their way, even if you're vaccinated, you would have to be tested upon return within uh, three to five days upon return. Um, I don't know how that would be monitored. I don't know how that'd be monitored. But right now uh, they're requiring um, vaccinating. And you're right, there are going to be making departures out of Bahamas and St. Martin due to the uh, what they consider unreasonable. You know, the cruise lines and CLIA met with the CDC, I think it was yesterday. Yes. And they don't think that they got very far um, because the CDC is, uh, I don't know who all they're taking directions from, but I've been following a lot of the science, and the science doesn't support some of the CDC's requirements, and that's affecting the airlines, too. The airlines are upset because they can't do middle seat, and uh, they've got data to prove that there's not a reason why they can't. So, well, except that uh, in the CDC, in all fairness, Gwen, the CDC is recommending that they not use the middle seat, but all of them have abandoned that except for Delta, 
and the comfort section of Alaska, and those go away um, here in the next few days. In fact, Delta has said yeah. that there may be situations where you can't get the middle seat open between now and the end of the month. So the airlines have basically, yeah. um, if you talk to anybody that that has been on an airplane, they'll tell you that you know basically the middle seats are up. I am Mark Hoffman, uh, along with Tom Romano. We are talking with Gwen Duncan of Cordially Yours Travel, and we're we're having a little bit of a f- battle here trying to be we're we're we're, we're friends had taken two sides of an argument and Gwen is is helping us understand why she feels that it's time to get the cruise ships back in the water and Mark is saying yeah I'm not so sure about that yet um so Gwen it it does absolutely sound as though these people have done a lot a lot and, and a lot of expense their stocks have suffered they've had tremendous losses um and, and and I will agree with you strongly on one thing. They are probably reaching the point of no return here very soon. Mm-hmm. They and, are. And it's a sad thing. Sad. Well, it is because this is a way that a lot of people, you know, cruises have become uh, middle-class America's vacation. And it's something that's yeah. kind of fun, and a lot of people consider it to be exotic. And for a lot of folks, that's the, that's the craziest thing or the, the most far-out thing that they'll do in their lives. So to not have cruises would 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 be a problem. Thomas, you got a comment? Yeah, Gwen, uh, you deal with people every day that are asking about cruises and want you to book them and be sure to let them know when it's okay. Um, Are they concerned and are you concerned about when they finally say it's okay that the price of a cruise will will be kind of out of reach for a lot of folks? (laughs) Instead of being all the great specials that everybody was hoping for, it's going to be, you know, double the price because... All of the things that we're talking about to help keep people safe on on cruise ships and all are going to be expensive. It's going to be an extra cost. So what are people saying? I, and- I am presuming so. I, I am presuming so. Well, I tell you what, one, in my research, one of the questions that came up and I thought was very interesting is, would you wear a mask if you were not required to on a ship? And oh, I thought that question. answered a lot. A, a lot. And there's an awful lot of people who want to go on a cruise desperately, but they do not, I'm one of those, do not want to go on a ship and wear a mask the entire time. Um, uh, so it's that, you know, it's everything from the vaccines. Can you take a vaccine or do you want to take a vaccine or are you already vaccinated? It's a big question. You've got three considerations if you're going to go on a cruise. Um, uh, the first one is about the vaccinations. The second one has to do with questions about the mask. And the third one is choosing a cruise line that you felt has followed the protocols and exceeded them. And I believe that most of the cruise lines have exceeded expectations on what they can do to make it a safe trip. We won't know because the CDC hasn't allowed them to even do test runs. All right. So here's my prediction. I think both sides are going to give a little bit. And yes. <laughs> I think if the if the vaccination rates continue to go up, um, my guess is that th- there's going to be a counteroffer back to the cruise lines that's going to say, all right, you've done A, B, and C. And we can see that things are a little different when we first laid this out. So do D, and we'll let you back in the water. And I, 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 I think, Gwen, that we're going to see cruising by the middle of the summer. Um, just in time for hurricane season in the in southern Florida. Yeah. Uh, Gwen, we have reached the, 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 the end of our of our time here. Thank you so much. This has been really uh, a good back and forth. So Gwen Duncan from Cordially Yours Travel, thank you so much for your for your time. And we'll have you back again in a few weeks to get an update on the whole cruise situation. 
Thank you, Tom and Mark. <laughs> All right. Coming up on the Travel Guys right after a short timeout. It's been 50 years. Brewer and Shipley's one toke over the line. Michael Brewer joins us here on the Travel Guys. This is a really fun interview, folks. Don't miss it. I'm leaving on a jet plane. I don't know when I'll be back again. Oh, babe, I hate to go. Hey there, everyone. It's Mark and Tom. We are the travel and entertainment guys. And who are those guys right there? Oh, yeah. If you know your music, that's uh, Brewer and Shipley uh, from about 1971. One toke over the line. A pretty big hit for them. And as we approach 420, these guys got that pinned on them for the rest of their careers. 420, for those of you that may not know, the police code for getting busted for pot. And uh, every year at 420, there is a bit of a celebration. Everybody drags out the old Brewer and Shipley's one toke over the line and plays it to death. And uh, and then we get a chance to talk with... Uh, at least one of the members, and that would be Michael Brewer. Welcome to the Travel and Entertainment Guys, Michael. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're going to go to our graves with that song, no doubt about it. Well, one of the things that also is uh, tied in with 420 this particular year is your new documentary, Brewer and Shipley, One Toke Over the Line and Still Smoking. Now, this is, uh, what is it, VMO, V-I-M-E-O, On Demand? Vivian. Vimeo on demand. All right, yeah. so come come uh, 4:20 on the 20th of April. Uh, you'll be able to uh, take a peek at this. Uh, I have had the privilege of getting a, a preview early on, and it's a great documentary. Well, I'll tell you what, Michael. Why don't you tell the folks what the documentary is about? Okay. Well, first of all, I'm envious because I have yet to see the the actual finished product. I've seen you know some of it, drafts and things over the years. Well. A lady Kathy Corley, who's made the documentary, but I've yet to see it because it's been edited, you know, and there are things added and taken away and whatever. It is excellent. It does. It uh, talks about your early days. Uh, it has pictures of you guys when you were kids and uh, how you started your careers. Like you say, I think people will be really surprised if they, you know, they're not really true fans. Those that bought your albums and followed your career already know that. But for the casual radio listeners that's just familiar with uh, your hits. Uh, there's there is so much more. You guys were musicians and performing and writing uh, during uh, during a time when uh, make, music was a way of making a social statement, saying things about the world, about the war, about relationships, and so forth. One question I've been asked uh, to make sure to get the answer to, and I already know it because I've, I've watched part of the video, uh, is is one toke over the line. Tell the story as to how that song happened. We ended up playing both of us solo, playing at a little club in Kansas City called the Vanguard Coffee House, and then we both ended up in L.A. And while we were still living in L.A., uh, we flew back one time to play the Vanguard over Christmas and New Year's, and in fact, so did Steve Martin. was our opening act. He, he was still working at Disneyland at the time. But anyway, after we ended up moving to Kansas City, we were playing the Vanguard, and one night... Uh, 
we were getting ready to go on for our last set of the evening, and a friend came by, and uh, we stepped out back for a moment and came back in the dressing room, and Tom says, man, I'm one toke over the line. And I cracked up, started singing, one toke over the line, sweet Jesus. And the next day we got together and thought, you know, what was that we were messing with last night? And in about an hour, we turned it into a song, literally just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. That's all it was. You know, we hadn't even considered recording it. But the first time we played Carnegie Hall, we opened for Melanie and went over quite well. We got several encores and basically ran out of songs. So we decided, well, let's do that new song. And we did. And we were with a different label by then. Uh, Buddha Records, and Neil Bogart was the CEO at the time. He was there, and he came backstage and said, oh, man, you guys, you got to record that. Add that to the album. We were working on our Tarkio album at the time. So it kind of took us by surprise, because like I said, we didn't take it seriously, but we did. We recorded it and finished the album, and then we took a break and went down to the Florida Keys to do some fishing and came back to discover that they had not only released it as a single, but it was shooting up the charts, and we were in big trouble with the government, with the Nixon administration. This is when Nixon was uh, had the FCC threatening radio stations with their licenses if they didn't, uh, if they played any drug reference songs. But right. it was ridiculous. I mean, Puff the Magic Dragon was on that list. You know, right, right. You, you banned on radio in some cases. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was banned. But I remember we had a meeting with the CEO of uh, WLS Radio in Chicago, huge station. And they said, you know, we really like this song. We want to play this song, but only if you guys are on board with us. And we said, oh, absolutely, of course. So they played it, and then other stations said, screw you to the FCC, and played it as well. A lot of stations still wouldn't do it because they were, they were worried about the consequences. So, yeah, it was, it was a hit band record, as it turns out. My special guest here on The Travel Guys, Michael Brewer of Brewer & Shipley. Fifty years later, Vice President Spiro Agnew specifically referred to Brewer and Shipley as being subversive to American youth. Yeah, we were dangerous guys and didn't even know it. We and made if, Nixon's enemies list, which yeah. we held as a badge of honor, still do to this day. In fact, you know, to this day, we, we apologize to our fans in concert for leading them astray back in their youth for being <laughs> such controversial subversives. And the interesting thing was, and you can find this on YouTube, uh, is that Lawrence Welk actually performed the song. This was probably about the time that the song was still a hit. They liked to do the covers and the couple of the guy and a gal. And and what did uh, what was it that Lawrence Welk? How did he refer to the song? A modern day spiritual. How did, gospel to us? How did that make you feel? <laughs> well, Tom and I were in London at the time, so we didn't see it. And if it hadn't been for my mother, who did see it, and my brother telling me about it, uh, we wouldn't even known about it. But 32 years later, we finally got our hands on a copy of it and put it on YouTube for the world to see. So if you haven't seen it, I would say go to YouTube and check out Token with Lawrence Welk. It's hilarious. The duo is Dale and Gale. Here's a connected story. Just a very few years ago, Tom and I were performing in concerts uh, in Pennsylvania. Gail Farrell and her husband flew all the way from L.A. just to come to our show and meet us. <laughs> and we went out to dinner together, and they were very, very nice. And, and I asked her, I said, you know, did anybody have a clue what, about what that song's about? And she wouldn't answer the question. She said, you have to wait for the book. I guess she's writing a book <laughs> or something. Well, why not? But I know, 
you know, the Lennon sisters were on the Lawrence Welk show, so the, their kids grew up on the set, and I know some of those guys. And years ago, I asked him, I said, did anybody have a clue? And I was told, well, I guarantee you some of the guys in the band knew, but Lawrence Welk sure didn't know. <laughs> he didn't have a clue. Hey, thanks, Michael, for joining us here on the Travel Guys. Don't forget, folks, you can go to TravelGuysRadio.com. We've got links to Brewer and Shipley and links to how you can uh, – how you can view their brand-new documentary coming out April the 20th. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I did uh, doing the interview. Well, it hasn't been exactly a pure travel show today, a tour operator talking about fire evacuations and then Mark and Gwen kind of having it out a little bit and then a celebration of a, of a great old song from 50 years ago. But, you know, uh, I hope that you found it at least to be entertaining radio, and I hope you'll dance like nobody's watching. Thank you, my friends. You stay well. We'll see you next week, 3 o'clock, here on The Travel Guys.